Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Alcohol consumption around the country increased more during the pandemic than it had in the last 50 years. Alcohol-related deaths went up as well. That's all according to recent numbers put out by the National Institutes of Health. Meanwhile, the Oregon Health Authority says that an average of six people in the state die every day from alcohol-related causes. As the holiday season approaches, a state agency is encouraging Oregonians to talk to each other about excessive drinking. Tom Jean is a deputy state health officer and an epidemiologist in the public health division of the Oregon Health Authority. Mike Weiner is the associate medical director at Hooper Detox Center in Portland and an assistant professor in addiction medicine at OHSU. They both join us now. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. I want to start with a voicemail that we got. This is from somebody who chose not to leave their name. Yeah, the last four years have been really, really tough. I'm a nurse, and between the pandemic, the political situation, climate change, feeling isolated and lonely, um, having had a few injuries, my alcohol intake has definitely increased. It's a it's self-medication, basically, and um, it's it has the potential to ruin my life. And I'm doing everything possible to avoid that, but um, I'm still struggling. Tom, Jean, how much did alcohol consumption go up during the pandemic? Yeah, Dave. So uh, we we have a lot of data um, in Oregon, of course, and unfortunately there are, there are some lags. So the latest data we have for alcohol-related deaths is from 2020, but we do have some data that, that comes uh, through the pandemic, uh, and, and that includes our per capita alcohol consumption, uh, which increased um, you know, from 579 drinks per person in 2019 and 2020, up to 601 drinks per person in the state in 2021. Um, we also saw that um, uh, during the first year of the pandemic, deaths increased by 26%. So that's an increase from 2019 to 2020. And in the past three years alone, uh, deaths related to alcohol have increased nearly 40% in the state. So this is this is definitely a concerning trend. In terms of consumption, do you, do we know yet if those rates have gone down in the years since you know the shutdown years of the pandemic? You know, we we really don't. But if we if we look at the the trends through twenty twenty one, it's it's actually part of a larger pattern. Um, both binge drinking and heavy drinking among Oregon adults have been steadily increasing uh, over the past twenty years. Uh, binge drinking increased twenty two percent between two thousand and one and twenty twenty one, and heavy drinking increased forty six percent over that same period. So that that long term trend, uh, which was we think likely exacerbated by the stresses of the pandemic is is something that we're concerned about. Mike Weiner, what are the definitions, I guess the federal definitions of binge drinking and heavy drinking? Yeah, that's a great great place to start. So the kind of the national view or standing is that no more than for binge drinking, no more than five drinks in a session for cisgender men and no more than four drinks in a in a session or in a day for cisgender women. 
And then the recommendation for for heavy use is for cisgender women more than seven drinks in a week, and then for cisgender men more than fourteen drinks in a week. Meaning, uh, if you have uh, if for a cisgendered woman more than one drink a day over the course of a week, that's that's considered heavy drinking. Yeah, considered considered heavy and um, and and what's defined as kind of unhealthy alcohol use. Hmm. How common are these rates uh, of alcohol consumption in Oregon? I'm going to turn that one over to Todd. I think the I know the national data, and so we we know that around 30 million U.S. adults meet the definition for alcohol use disorder. And I think that's an important definition to know as well. So alcohol use disorder and binge drinking are the same thing, but alcohol use disorder is kind of when it becomes um, a diagnosis. And so that diagnosis is when somebody is compulsively using alcohol despite problems. And those problems can be in your life, like in your relationships or your ability to work or carry out functions in your household. So continuing to use alcohol despite knowing or having these known health problems or mental health problems. Tom Jean, do do we know how many people in Oregon would qualify under those categories of heavy drinking or you know, excessive drinking or binge drinking? Yeah, yeah, we do, Dave. So more than one in five people living in Oregon currently are drinking excessively. And and the thing is, many of them may not realize that their level of drinking is excessive. Um, and so that's why, you know, we're part of our campaign, our, our Rethink the Drink campaign is trying to raise awareness of what is heavy drinking and what is binge drinking. And, you know, many people may actually meet those definitions while not really realizing it. I mentioned that stat um, from your agency, the Oregon Health Authority, that on average, six people die every day in Oregon from alcohol-related causes. What falls under that category? Yeah, that's a great question. So first, I have to say that the the total uh, well, alcohol is the third leading cause of preventable death in Oregon. It's responsible for over 2,000 deaths a year. Uh, and that's actually quite a bit above the number of deaths from drug overdose. And, and we know that those deaths are, are far too high. But many people may not realize that alcohol is actually the, the substance that's related for the, the most deaths. Um, so we all know that you know car crashes related to, to alcohol and drunk driving are a factor. We know about alcohol-related liver disease, hepatitis, cirrhosis, um, but there are actually many, many other alcohol-related deaths. Um, and that includes um, many cancers, uh, breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer, and, and many others. Uh, includes um, deaths related to heart disease, uh, high blood pressure. Um, of course, there are mental health um, you know, re- related effects, uh, suicide, um, injury, falls. Um, so it, it's really a, um, a, a huge spectrum of uh, diseases and risk factors that can be related to alcohol. Can you help me understand just a, a statistical question here? Because recently we've heard a, a stat on our show that came, I, I think, from the National Institutes of Health that right now the leading cause of death for Americans ages 18, I think, to 49 is fentanyl overdoses. So if that's the case, how is it that alcohol accounts for a higher number of deaths than fentanyl? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it can get complicated with all the different ways we have to, uh, you know, categorize and, and look at the populations uh, and, and the risk factors and, and deaths in different subgroups. Um, I think one of the, the issues is that fentanyl has um, been a just a, a rapid and massive uh, increase uh, in terms of a, a risk factor and how it's affecting deaths here. Um, so the, the exact comparison right now in 2023 uh, may be a little muddy, but the, the bottom line is these are both significant risk factors. And yes, alcohol is is one of the, the leading um, risk factors for that the kind of middle age group uh, for people in their 20s, 30s, 40s um, that, that people may not be aware of. Let's listen to another voicemail that came in. Yeah, I'm Michael Kennedy. I live in Portland. Um, I, I found myself, I, I did, never got drunk or anything, but I, I would go like, you know, from having a glass at, at dinner, then two glasses, then maybe two or three. And then and I, I was just finding myself falling down that that rabbit hole. And um, my wife, the same thing. And so we just kind of looked at each other and thought, that's enough of that. I got to say, Mike Weiner, at the end there, he makes it sound very easy, but we wouldn't be talking right now, I think, if everyone found it that easy to stop drinking or to drink less. What are the various challenges that people encounter when they, if they decide they actually want to do just that? Yeah, great question. I think, well, what that voicemail showed and in that listener for being very honest, kind of having that realization that you yourself are having a hard time stopping or slowing down or somebody in your life has kind of noticed that you're having a hard time with alcohol, that's a great place to kind of realize maybe I need to access treatment. I don't think a lot of people know, especially that use alcohol, that there is treatment and that it works. Um, Of the 30 million folks that we know have alcohol use disorder in our country, we know that fewer than around 8% really access treatment in a given year. And of those less than 2% access treatment with medications, and medications for alcohol use disorder are, are pretty effective and, and they're not really talked about or known about. So I think having folks talk to their providers or doctors uh, is a really good first start. What are those medications? I think you're right. I mean, on this show over the last year, we've talked a lot about uh, overdose reversal drugs from opioid overdoses or medication-assisted therapy for opioid use disorder. But what are the medications for people with alcohol use disorder? Yeah, there there are three medications that are FDA approved for alcohol use disorder. And then there's some off-label medications that sometimes providers will try or use based on a person's kind of unique scenario. But the three medications are naltrexone, acamprosate, and disulfiram. And the best evidence we have are for naltrexone and acamprosate. And these medications have been shown to help reduce the urge to drink and kind of limit the reward pathway when you do drink. And they've been shown to help people who are ready to or decide they want to stop using alcohol to actually achieve that. Hmm. As I mentioned at the beginning, um, you are the associate medical director at Hooper Detox Center in Portland. My guess is that when a lot of people hear the word detox now in 2023, they think about opioids. What percentage of your patients come in because of alcohol? Yeah, yeah, especially in the fentanyl era. But so at Hooper Detox, we provide we provide medically managed withdrawal services, and every in the last year we provided services for about almost three thousand patients. And I would 
estimate about half of our patients have some form of alcohol withdrawal uh, during their time at Hooper. Hmm. So it's still pretty pretty significant amount of our patients. Can you describe alcohol withdrawal? Yeah. So when people come to Hooper Detox or here or access our medically managed withdrawal services, you know this is a very kind of end of the spectrum, kind of more severe alcohol use disorder. And alcohol withdrawal is one of the withdrawal symptoms that can be pretty severe and, and actually deadly. And alcohol withdrawal, and for folks listening might notice or have somebody in their life that has this, it's when you try to stop drinking and you notice that you are kind of anxious, jittery, and your, your entire kind of nervous system is on red alert and you actually can have seizures. And the process for withdrawal can be about three to four days uh, from the last time that you use alcohol. And what we do is we use medications that help uh, reduce the risk of having a seizure and help with that withdrawal process. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with Mike Weiner and Tom Jean. Mike Weiner is the Associate Medical Director at Hooper Detox Center in Portland and an Assistant Professor in Addiction Medicine at OHSU. Tom Jean is Deputy State Health Officer and Epidemiologist at the Public Health Division of the Oregon Health Authority. Tom Jean, you mentioned your Rethink the Drink campaign, which originally started last year. Now there's a kind of winter version of it. I'm curious just about the language here. How do you think people in general currently think about drinking and how do you want them to change that? What do you want them to rethink? Yeah, it's it's really a great question. We're, we have to emphasize we're not telling people to stop drinking. What we're really trying to do is uh, educate and inform about all the health effects of alcohol. And we're asking people to start a conversation to, to really think about the way alcohol is present in their own lives and communities. Um, you know, the campaign is really trying to highlight how common alcohol has become in community settings, uh, and that includes holiday celebrations, of course, um, uh, but also just around, you know, in, in barbershops and, you know, uh, at, at runs that, you know, people are, are drinking in many different settings. Um, and it's it, it's um, really just a, a way to try to get people to think about that, to talk about it, and and think about how they want alcohol to, um, you know, be a part of their their life or not. Um, and so that's 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 what we saw. You know, the first campaign last summer, uh, we were really um, thrilled with the results from it. Uh, it was seen by millions uh, of people throughout the state on on social media, TV, uh, radio, newspapers, um, and we found from evaluating that one that people were having more conversations about their own drinking uh, and their and their friends and families drinking. Uh, it did increase knowledge and awareness of what excessive drinking is um, and got people to, to think more about their drinking habits uh, and maybe planning on cutting back. So we're hoping to extend that with this campaign, which runs um, now through the end of January. Well, so but let's say someone's planning a, a holiday party right now or a, a family get together or I don't know, planning a, a 5K fun run for this coming summer and figuring out who the vendors are going to be. I mean, what's an example of an actual kind of conversation that you'd like to foster? Yeah, I think it's a question for people hosting events like this to think is, is your gathering a safe space for people? Um, will, will they feel comfortable not drinking if they choose? Um, does alcohol have to be at this gathering? Um, and are, are there other options? Um, and I think it's just trying to, to normalize 
um, the, the, that that thinking and and normalize not drinking uh, as opposed to having alcohol kind of be a, a default in, in these kind of uh, gatherings and events. I want to play uh, another voicemail. Let's have a listen. Hey there, this is John. And yes, I have found myself drinking more since the pandemic and I have tried to cut back. I recently started just drinking on the weekends, uh, not during the work week, but yes. Mike Weiner, what do you make of strategies like that? I mean, dry January um, is a phrase that probably many of us have heard. It's just around the corner after, I mean, (laughs) the reason it's called that is because of wet December, which I don't know is a phrase we use, but obviously that's that's the reason for dry January. Or um, John's idea here of, of only drinking on the weekends, or some people, you know, saying I'm I'm only going to drink if I'm with friends. I'm I'm not going to, um, you know, have a beer by myself. Do these strategies work? That's a, a great question, and I really like the way Tom put it. You know, I have the kind of same view. My goal is never to tell somebody they have to stop drinking. It's to meet them where they are, and with their individual goals, and to reduce harm and reduce death, and. You know, often when somebody comes to see me in kind of our low barrier walk-in clinic at Hooper Detox, um, sometimes they're not ready to stop drinking, or they don't want to. They, they want to reduce their drinking, and so those strategies can be really helpful. So having a drink and then following it with a glass of water, spacing out the time between drinks, limiting it to weekends, can all be great strategies to help people get what they want to get. Do you find that if people limit drinking to certain days, they end up drinking more on those days? It's it's very patient dependent. So I think it's going going on those kind of guidelines we talked about. So people that do, you know, say I want to only drink on the weekend. So you can talk about what would be a healthy range if you were to drink on that weekend. Hmm. So by letting them know what binge drinking is, letting them know, you know, what to do if they feel like they're drinking more and they can't they can't help help themselves afterwards and really having access to resources. Tom Jean, there was a, a one small glimmer of good news that I saw in the press release your agency put out today, which is that, and even as you mentioned, that, that while binge drinking and heavy drinking among adults are on the rise in Oregon and around the country, that younger people, at least in Oregon, are drinking less. How do you explain that? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. I think uh, we have seen significant changes in, in youth substance use and for, for certain substances, it, it did actually go down during the pandemic. You know, again, the pandemic was a huge disruptor in many ways. Um, kids were not in school uh, in person for a lot of that. So that may have played a role. Um, you know, kids are obviously uh, much more online than they were in the past and on devices and social media. Um, and you know, I think some of that may may result in less drinking because there are less there's maybe less in person social interaction. But I think this is a question that uh, you know researchers will need to be be studying and thinking about because it's again it's a really complex issue. But we're certainly happy that uh, we're not seeing you know large increases um, in drinking among among youth. That press release it also notes that while people of all education and income levels drink excessively some populations experience higher rates of alcohol-related diseases. What are those populations? Yeah, uh, several populations, but uh, especially the Black and Indigenous communities in Oregon, uh, as well as people in general with lower incomes and less education. And I think it's really important to highlight that the negative harms from from excessive alcohol use are are disproportionately impacting uh, these communities. 
despite uh, consumption rates that are generally lower than white Oregonians. And that just gets at the, uh, the unjust disadvantages and stressors, uh, racism, discrimination that increases the, the harms from alcohol, even though, um, the, you know, these communities aren't, aren't necessarily drinking more, they may be drinking less. Um, so I think it just highlights the need to, to, to reduce, um, the, the disparities and injustice, uh, injustices that these, these people are facing in our state. The press release didn't just talk about the impact on human lives, sometimes deadly, but also the financial impact overall to the state with a a kind of eye-popping number, $4.8 billion a year, the impact uh, of of drinking in this state. And that's that's not, say, sales to breweries. That is extra, I guess, externalities. What's included in that nearly $5 billion? Yeah, it's it's a very big number, uh, and that's including things uh, like uh, you know motor vehicle crashes and the direct costs from that. The healthcare expenses, of course, uh, and that includes healthcare expenses from cancer treatment and all those chronic diseases that alcohol can cause. It also includes criminal justice costs and it includes lost productivity of, of workers um, from these impacts, um, including people who, um, you know, just maybe uh, are, are drinking too much. So that number breaks down to uh, about $1,100 for every person in Oregon per year. So this is really significant. It's kind of under the radar. We don't necessarily think about it, um, but it's it's one of the things that needs to be part of the conversation when we're talking about alcohol, which of course, does you know there, there there are benefits to alcohol we have small businesses wineries breweries that are important parts of our community uh, we don't want to um you know ignore that but we just want to make sure that the conversation is is complete and considers the harms as well mike weiner what role do you think the price of alcoholic drinks plays in this conversation oh, that's a that's a good question and 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 hard to really answer I, I we we know for youth and adolescents that you know that legislation can be helpful in reducing, but I, you know, I I when I hesitate to kind of comment on that, not really knowing. Dave, Dave, if I could add, I, I we know from an abundance of research that raising the price of alcohol does reduce alcohol use and it does save lives. So you know, the policy approaches here are are also complicated, but but we know that for sure. And there is a new task force um, from the House Bill thirty six ten, a task force on alcohol pricing and addiction services uh, that is starting up and will be studying uh, some of these issues. The NIH found that from 2001 to 2015, increases in state-level excise taxes on cigarettes were associated with a reduction in smoking. And from what I've read, this is especially true for, for younger people in terms of smoking. And, and, and I have read analyses saying that the same could be true for higher prices on alcohol, that perhaps the biggest benefits would be among younger people uh, who I think in general would have less money to spend on on alcohol, but obviously one huge difference in terms of of cigarette tax increases and alcohol ones is that Oregon doesn't have a, a, a big cigarette industry. We do have a 
big craft beer and wine industry and increasingly large liquor one and ones that are really associated with Oregon's brand and and marketed at the state or local levels you know go to wine country or or sample Oregon's you know t- tasty beers how do you square that with this pure issue of public health yes they they, they have to all be part of the the discussion dave uh, again, OHA recognizes Oregon is an alcohol-producing state. Um, we understand the economic value of our local breweries, wineries, our spirit producers, um, you know, and our bars. Um, they provide thousands of jobs for people living in Oregon. I want to reiterate, our priority is to reduce excessive drinking, um, given that it has such a substantial burden and cost. And we're not trying to eliminate or prohibit drinking of alcohol as a whole. That is not something that we would ever plan to do. So this, this effort is really um, trying to minimize the harms to communities uh, and build safer environments for everyone. Um, and I would also add that harms from excessive drinking affect small businesses as well in terms of, of lost earnings for workers, um, revenue for those businesses, healthcare expenses, et cetera. So we're, we're really just trying to balance uh, the, the different um, pros and cons and benefits and harms. I guess the only thing that comes to mind there, though, is is a numerical one that, that given everything you were saying before and the prevalence of problematic, of excessive drinking, the only way to 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 truly address that would be to have a sizable reduction in the total number of drinks that were being sold in this state. You can't have that unless there is, you know, a, a relatively significant hit to uh, to producers. And and those those obviously they include Anheuser Busch and ones that that are not just craft producers here, but something has to give. Yeah, and I think our role in this is to to educate and, and raise awareness of the science of the Oregon numbers and the impacts and make sure that's part of the discussion so that, that policymakers can grapple with these tough decisions and, and decide kind of where where we need to move the needle if we do. And so that that is it is a I don't envy people making those decisions, but I think it is absolutely important that we look at it and 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 reconsider given what we know. Tom Jean and Mike Weiner, thanks very much. Thank you, Dave. Tom Jean is Deputy State Health Officer and Epidemiologist at the Public Health Division of the Oregon Health Authority. Mike Weiner is an Assistant Professor in Addiction Medicine at OHSU and the Associate Medical Director at Hooper Detox Center in Portland. They joined us to talk about alcohol and excessive drinking in this state.